Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green. And today we are anxious about clutter. This one is one that I feel so deep in my soul. I am a very disorganized person, both mentally in my brain and also physically in my belongings and order of everything in my physical manifestations of my life. And yeah, Clutter and I have always disagreed. Mm -hmm. And we're... Finally getting to this episode now, there's a certain irony in that in and of itself that we've put off dealing with the clutter for <laughs> yes. so long. Yes. I mean, <laughs> and, it's pretty representative of my relationship to it. So there. Yes, same here. And I think the we've already kind of come to our first thing we can circle, which is probably not an accident that there's a correlation between uh, having a cluttered mind and uh, the propensity to create a cluttered environment. Yeah. Um, yep. Probably uh, probably some connection there. We haven't mentioned this in a while, but we aren't classically trained therapists. No. Um, but, no, but we, a- we figured people caught on to that. And we thought we probably didn't need to make the disclaimer, but yes, we should definitely go <laughs> with yeah, saying but that. I mean, we kind of feel like that's self-evident. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I really hope no one listens to this is like, that's someone who knows what she's talking about. That's someone who's studied. (laughs) Well, I think we know what we're talking about, but just not because we've buried our head in books. It's because we've buried our head in our hands so many times (laughs) and had to figure figure that out. But uh, anyways, I think today's topic will be pretty good and, and hopefully it will be nice and therapeutic as well. Any new listeners, uh, now that you've been made aware of the fact that we aren't psychologists, you'll also now be aware of the fact that we always start every episode with a scale that's related to the episode, and that's how we check in. So, Allison, on a scale of one to finally confronting the three-month-old pile of laundry in your room, where are you at today? With 10, of course, being devastated. Uh, I'd say like a seven. Um, And I also just want to interject this with when I was in college, my anxiety was so bad that when I moved to like my first off campus apartment, I didn't go to the laundromat for the entire year that I lived in that place because I couldn't handle the idea of learning to do the laundry at a laundromat. And so I just hand washed everything for an entire year instead of actually going to a laundromat because I had too much anxiety about the laundromat. So that just totally reminded me of that when you said that it was just like this one little visual finally clicked. It was like, oh, I had I had thoroughly suppressed that memory, but now it's come right up again. <laughs> it's, com- it's coming back. <laughs> I'm picturing you sort of having to accidentally walk past the laundromat on the way to other places and like sort of hissing in the general direction. Oh, I walked oh. past it every day. It was like not far at all, but it was like, I couldn't handle like, okay, I have to like carry it all down the stairs of my walk up. And then like, I don't know how to, you know, small talk. 
yeah, small talk and like weirdos at the laundromat. Like, you know how laundromats are always like the site of like a meet cute and a rom-com? I don't want to meet yep. cute. I want to be left alone. And so like I was just afraid that someone was going to try to like meet cute me at the laundromat. And I was not there for that. I was there to face my fears, except I wasn't. And I just didn't. And I just did all my laundry in a bathtub for a long time. Actually, it wasn't even I don't even think I had a bathtub. So it must have just been a sink. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, now, I mean, at least definitely we've underlined the not psychologist thing. No, so no. that's good. Um, so then um, I'm happy you brought that up, brought that <laughs> back. That gives me a great visual. <laughs> and uh, so how are you feeling? One can assume that you probably weren't feeling the best back then. Oh, you already told me you're feeling yeah, a seven. A seven. Uh, do, you want, do, you want to, do you want to elaborate on the seven a little bit? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, just lockdown 2.0 as we were chatting about before we started recording it's just looking ahead is scary and just even having the great news about the vaccines this week i'm still kind of getting like i don't know if tunnel vision is the right word but it just looks so far off in the distance and i can't really comprehend living like this you know, three to six more months. And I'm just feeling kind of depressed and stressed to have to continue going through this. And I've just been kind of burying my head in the sand by trying to like work as much as possible. Just thinking like, well, at least on the other end of this, I can build like a more stable financial future or whatever. But I've had some like fatigue come up where my body's like, psych bitch this isn't gonna work like you don't get to just (laughs) pretend that you don't feel like this like no and so um i've just been feeling super um tired and fatigued and like not able to actually do the work which is then causing me Mm -hmm. more anxiety because my coping mechanism is being sabotaged by my brain it's very rude of my brain and uh yeah So I don't know. I'm just really not looking forward to um, everything. (laughs) But uh, yeah, and also this week for my fellow Americans out there, uh, it's kind of a rough week for many of us, I'm assuming, because it's Thanksgiving. And I know a lot of people are choosing to stay home to keep people safe. And a lot of people maybe have anxiety and confrontations surrounded a surrounding going to a Thanksgiving and they feel kind of forced to and they have to, but they feel anxiety about it. So I know that Thanksgiving is probably bringing up a lot of stress for people either because you feel like you have to go to something that you maybe don't want to or you you wish you were doing something, but you can't or are choosing not to. And so I was going to do a small little hosting with friends, but with cases being what they are, it just here in Bulgaria, it just doesn't feel like a yeah. good idea, even if we are all, you know, doing our best. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, just decided not to do anything. And so it's kind of a bummer. I've only had like one Thanksgiving in my life where I didn't have like a larger celebration. And so mm-hmm. it's just something I always do. So it's a little disappointing. And we're going into lockdown on Friday, most likely, I think. And like, uh, honestly, it doesn't really change anything about how I conduct my life because people here don't take COVID seriously enough to make me feel comfortable doing the things that were allowed. 
pre-lockdown, mm-hmm. you know, like we had indoor dining, but I didn't want to go- do indoor dining because my server wouldn't wear a mask. Yeah. For me, lockdown doesn't change much, but just psychologically, I feel like knowing we're in lockdown is just kind of like meh. So, yeah. 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 What about yeah. you, Chris? How's your laundry pile today? <laughs> Yeah, your mental so laundry pile. My mental laundry pile. Yeah, it's pretty high. Um, <laughs> the one to ten can be the the number of months that laundry pile has. <laughs> pretty much mastered. right, and I think you know you probably communicated a lot of what I would say, would have said, what a lot of people listening would have said as well. I'm obviously very um, enthused by the the news of the vaccines and stuff, but it's almost as if, uh, kind of like you said, that um, now that I have a time frame to potentially think of, maybe more concretely, it almost makes it harder in the same way that I guess the best way that I could draw a parallel would be like with my ADHD, like if I was at the beginning of a class, there was almost too much time for me to to sort of contend with how much was left. But the last 10 minutes were absolute hell for me because yeah. I just watched the clock tick by. Yeah, that's that's like every day of teaching for me. Yes. <laughs> As the kids are getting dismissed and they're so squirrely and you're like, you're not teaching anymore because it's the end of the day, but you're still like in charge of watching these squirrely children and you're just like, please God. yeah so that's kind of the way i feel about it uh, at this point i think i'm probably if i had to give a number maybe like a six we're back in lockdown now which it's just difficult for me just with my disposition and i'm sure you know it's difficult for everybody in their own way and i think uh, i've done a pretty good job of like pretending like yeah you know i'm doing all right and i think i am doing all right just all things considered like i'm doing fine but that I'm getting like sort of like physical aspects of anxiety that just remind me like to take breaks where I can and to be a little kinder to myself. Like just my stomach kind of goes in knots when I'm mm-hmm. feeling extra anxious. And sometimes I get a few extra pimples and just bring things back to 15-year-old paranoia <laughs> days. And so I see some of those physical things popping up. And so it just means literally. I have to. Literally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was hoping I was hoping I was going to call myself on that if you didn't. Uh, but I, I think I'm just trying to do my best to respect the fact that all signs point to this being a difficult time. So, you know, try to be kinder to myself, uh, which I'm not good at either. So <laughs> um, I think, you know, the moment we hopped on the mic today, it was like, how are you doing? And it was like, we were both just kind of, I think we both just sort of exhaled like a pretty lethargic, like, you know, okay. Yeah. And uh and that's okay. I mean, like the job of this podcast is not to pretend like everything's hunky dory. I think um, it's better to honestly sort of yeah. mention how we're dealing with things because I, you know, I can't imagine that if the the two of us are in some sort of strange micro, you know, microcosm or or uh, I shouldn't say microcosm, we're in some sort of strange, you know, moment where this only applies to us. Surely, there's a lot of other people who probably feel the same. So I guess uh, at the very least, we can tell people before we start the episode that they're not alone. Yep. And yeah, this time just sucks. And I think it's important to just sort of like embrace the suck and just be like, how can I, you know, kind of get through this rather than trying to like force positivity on ourselves in a way that's like unrealistic. Just admit it. No one's having a good year. And if you so is are, this where we, I am suspect. Is this where we um, formally announce our new anxiety training program called Embrace the Suck? Embrace the Suck. I think that should be <laughs> I, like t-shirts. I, except that I think 
some people would probably be like, "Is do you guys run some sort of like porn studio or something?" <laughs> like, yeah, maybe maybe we can workshop that idea a little more. I, yeah, we... I think now that I've said it out loud a few times, I think probably we maybe don't go with embrace the suck, but something similar. Yeah, yeah, we'll workshop it. <laughs> great, great. Uh, so before we kind of hop in everything, I just like to remind everybody that if you do like what we're doing over here at I'm Anxious About. Just uh, please make sure you're subscribed so we can magically appear in your feed every Thursday. And also just share with friends where you can. That's a big help to us. So if you can and you will, we thank you in advance. Thank you for sharing with your most anxious friends. Uh, we appreciate it. And yeah. yeah. All right. Let's let let's dive into this metaphorical clutter scenario, which is it's actually in no way, shape, or form metaphorical. I think I wish it was. Like, I'm very much like in a clutter. I don't know. Just like for some reason, I'm Viral? obsessed with tunnels right now, and I'm like a wind tunnel of clutter, which makes absolutely no sense. I just keep wanting to say the word tunnel over and over Cl- again. Clutter spiral because clutter yeah. spiral work. Yeah, I've been stuck in a clutter spiral for many months, and it's been hard. Honestly, one thing that kind of was difficult for me like since the start of the pandemic has been one thing I invested in for my mental health last year was hiring someone um to come help clean twice a month because you know I was doing relatively well and it's not so expensive to have a cleaner come in Bulgaria and it was just something I could do to reduce my anxiety around my living space and sort of free up some time to do other things that were like more important to me and like my priorities and stuff. And, you know, I haven't been able to do that in a long time. I just hasn't felt safe. And now it really isn't safe with the current positivity rates here. And so I've just been, I haven't really found like an alternate coping strategy because that was like such a good solution for my problem. It's just like, and that's just classic Allison, right? Just throw money at a problem and just be like, yay, it worked itself out. How did that work? Um, <laughs> but but I will say, I don't want to interrupt your train of thought here, but I will say that does seem like actually a proactive decision because there's probably certain effects that you get from knowing there's somebody coming two times per month that you are probably unconsciously trying to keep the place in better shape so she doesn't arrive to a disaster, he or she doesn't arrive to a disaster, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. And you also don't want to like immediately ruin what you just like paid for to be nice. Right. You almost like treat the place with more integrity when someone else cleans it than when you clean it yourself, which makes absolutely no sense, like in a logical point of view, but at least that's how I was um with my with my home and So it's been like, obviously, you know, that's the most first world problem ever about, you know, the pandemic. And in the grand scheme of things, it's not important at all. But just speaking to how I had sort of started to resolve the clutter issue, it just sort of took my coping mechanism away. And I've been sort of trying to tread water a bit. And I just have The problem is I just don't have energy to really properly deal with clutter in a like meaningful way. You know, it's like I will treat the very top symptom and then like ignore everything else, you know, like (laughs) to use your your 
acne as a metaphor. Like, oh no, we're what, doing this. Yeah, like <laughs> it's like I'm putting I'm putting the pimple cream on, but I'm still doing all the bad things, like eating the chocolate and not getting yeah. enough sleep and not washing my face. You know, I'll scoop up like a top level of like I'll take the floor clothes and make those the hampers problem but then like I won't actually <laughs> stop putting clothes on the floor in the first place you know what I mean yeah you're you're treating the what's the old expression like treating the symptoms not the cause or whatever yeah yeah so you're addressing the symptoms not the cause yeah I I I know exactly what you mean yeah but then again when you start to understand what it's going to take to actually sort of actually address that issue you know it's going to be a lot of digging to get to the bottom of that right yeah. and so you you almost put it off further and you're like i guess the more surface level things you deal with the more it sort of adds up and then the bigger the problem is and and that's something that i know we're going to talk about in this episode perhaps right now <laughs> <laughs> which is the idea of the snowball effect which is something we've talked about before where it starts off as a small problem that we assign a big value. And then slowly but surely, the small problems become becomes a bigger problem that we assign a bigger value. And then that it becomes larger than life, and then you don't want to deal with it. And so it's it's kind of about making sure that we don't let it get to that level, right? Like you at the halfway point before it's Mount Everest, you need to get the clampons and the axe, like maybe just tackle the problem, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that's so much but like, you know, what an easier said than done sort of thing, because it's not all of this stuff for the most part isn't to do with the physical side of things. Like I, I'm capable of going around and tidying up my house. It's the it's the mental manana approach like tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Um, yeah. And I, I, I try to be pretty good with that. But um, that doesn't mean that like, you know, like dishes don't pile up in the sink or whatever and then i don't know whether this is my like anxiety side or adhd side and and quite frankly they're kind of melded together in a lot of ways anyways but i do really get stressed when i wake up in the morning and there's certain spaces that are really cluttered uh like particularly i kind of eat breakfast at the i could say kitchen table but it's really just like a it's a um okay, I need, hold, I need to back up and find words here. It <laughs> it's a surface uh that connects the kitchen to the living room. And I will often sit in a high chair. Like there. a bar almost? Like sure. Yeah, a bar. bar. That's that would be the word I'm looking for. That's yeah. the a thousand dollar word. Um, um three yeah, letters. Okay. They're hard to keep track of, you know? Let's just remember I was six today, okay? Um so bar, sitting at the bar. There's no question that if I start my morning and and that space is wiped off and clean and so on, you know, I'm leaning into my day a little differently than when I'm moving plates aside so I can fit in a cereal bowl, you know, and and Mm -hmm. yeah, they're small things, but they add up if there's not, if there's no escape to that. And so one rule that I have for myself is there has to be one space, typically my office, that's in good shape um, because I probably wouldn't be able to handle it emotionally and mentally if I went from the cluttered bar breakfast table to a really cluttered office. Like my my office isn't always superb, but I have to keep it in a certain state just to be functional. And so 
I try to make a pact with myself that like at the end of the day, when I turn the light off in my office, it's got to be in like serviceable shape. It's got to be in decent enough shape that when I arrive the next morning that I don't feel like I'm sort of climbing under the pile, you know, yeah. of, of, of laundry or whatever. So that's, that's one rule that I made for myself is like maybe not getting frustrated that everything isn't perfect. So if I go to the bathroom and I realize, okay, I got to wipe this down, the, the sink's a little dirty or whatever, like maybe don't immediately collapse on myself and be like, this place is a mess, you know, just be like, okay, well, I've kept to my rule of keeping my office in really good shape. Now I'll tackle the bathroom. And eventually I, I go to a point where I put on a podcast or whatever and just tackle the place or Brie and I will tackle it together or whatever it is. But, you know, for people who, who are struggling, it might be something that will help them as well. Or the idea of just, just focus on one space first and then go out from there just so you don't have to bury yourself under your own sort of shame pile. Yeah. Um, it's impossible for me not to bring up some shame metaphor every episode. So I hope this is something people <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> That's, I mean, that is kind of like the dominant anxiety thing, right? It's all just like, shame or anticipating future shame, you know, like, yeah, that's really the central, I think, emotion after you get through like the physical, like the anticipatory things of with anxiety, I think it's all related to like, well, how is this going to make me be perceived, you know, like, either by myself or by others. Um, right. And you can back that up and say, like, well, actually, it was more panic or whatever. But if the panic's a result of the shame, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's all it's all interrelated. And I wanted to, this seems like a good point to bring up a quote I was thinking about from that sort of mental health graphic novel that I really like, um, Hyperbole and a Half by Ali Broch that I brought up before. And the quote is, I'm still hoping that perhaps someday I'll learn how to use willpower like a real person. But until that very unlikely day, I will confidently battle towards adequacy, wielding my crude skill set of fear and shame. <laughs> Love it. And, it's, and so <laughs> in that instance, it's, it's kind of like she's trying to use the fear and the shame to to tackle the the clutter, you know, like that, that it builds up enough that she tackles it. But there's also the other side of that, of course, which you kind of were talking about, which is that, you know, if we don't look at it in the right way, we can it can build up to the point where we get into like a pattern of avoidance. Right. Yeah, totally. And I think for me, this particular period has been hard because I used to use shame to motivate me to clean because I would have like people over or right. like we would go traveling and we'd want the place to be like nice for when we came back. So we'd like do a clean before, but it's kind of hard to like when every day kind of melts into like <laughs> one calendar blob of what month is it anyway? Like, yeah, now um, you never leave, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's just like you don't really have different inputs or outputs. And so as a result, you kind of just end up not really knowing what to do with yourself. And things just end up piling up so much easier because you don't have any sort of like external checks on like, oh, I should do this. It's just, no, I just, I should know this from internal factors that this is not good for me. But I think for me, at least I struggle a lot with intrinsic motivation and anxiety. Like I don't have it. I need 
someone breathing down my neck, basically, in order for me to feel like something is important. Because I think I get so overwhelmed when I have anxiety that it's hard to prioritize things myself. So I kind of look to like, I'm like frantically looking around a room like, well, what do you think is important? And Mm -hmm. like, you know, I haven't quite arrived at the place of believing that not having a cluttered space is that important for my mindset. Right. So I'm not actually doing it, even though like I know it, but I'm in that like I'm in those like baby stages of knowing where it's like, okay, you know, but like you don't actually really fully believe it or do anything to actually do anything towards it. You know, it's like me and exercise. It's like, of course, I know exercise would make me feel so much better and like, you know, it would improve especially my depression, but my anxiety as well. But it's, it's still just sort of like your window shopping, you know, you're like, hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. Let me think about it some more, you know? Yeah. That really strikes a chord, that whole thing with me where it comes back to a lot of what we've talked about in the past on episodes and the fact that we're both self-employed and sometimes we can think of things in a really narrow lens. So sometimes I'll be like, well, I really should clean, but cleaning doesn't make me money and I really need to make money. And then, so it's like this very narrow perspective where it's like, well, I don't want to take half an hour to clean because I need to get this done. But in all likelihood, if I took half an hour to clean, I would be half an hour more efficient on the task that would follow because I'm in a cleaner space. Exactly. (laughs) And it's this like crazy thing where it's like, but I, and there is a sense in which I know it, right? Like I, it's, it's so obvious, but I can't bring myself to do it. And I don't know, it's, it's something I'm. I'm kind of with you where I sometimes feel like I'm making strides on it, but I'm still wrapping my head around it. Like the exercise thing, I have such a good stranglehold on. I understand it's what I need, largely because I really understand who and what I am when I'm not exercising. Like I'm, <laughs> you know, like I just really revert to a 12 year old boy. Like I just, because Brie is the mirror in this situation, like she will literally say, like, hey, like she used to just be like, someone's got to go to the gym, you know, and it's like, you know, and now it's kind of like, have you thought about going for a walk? (laughs) And it's, it's always the right choice. But I I really do need to exercise every day or I, I just kind of, um, I can spiral a lot easier. So I know that, um, but I'm getting to a place where I know how to contend with like live, like live in symbiosis with the clutter, or at least understand like, when does clutter become problematic, if that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, I know that it's almost always pretty problematic for me once it reaches like a threshold beyond like, I don't know, let's say 20% cluttered. It's like, uh, that's when I know it's like, okay, well, I've hit the point where clutter starts to have an impact on me. But I, I still am working on developing like strategies or some things I've done in the past. I would just set like a timer a couple times a day and just do five minutes, you know, just because I knew it was a short time constraint and it's not a lot of time, but with five concentrated minutes, you can at least tackle one area and, you know, you can at least completely handle like your bedside table and the 45 glasses of water you've somehow stacked into a tower or like, you know, move, like scoop up your stuff from the floor and put it in the hamper or just throw it right in the laundry to deal with later. You know, like there are things that you can do in five minutes, but I've like less, less and less often during this pandemic have I actually been doing that. And I really should do it more often, but 
it's something you, i'm struggling with have you heard of the the pomodoro technique i don't know if yeah, you yeah know... yeah i don't use it but um yeah <laughs> So, so actually, it's funny. I, I have used it in the past. So for people who don't know, the Pomodoro technique is a method that was developed back in the day for staying focused and, and sort of mentally refreshed. And it, it literally was using like a, a basic timer that you would use for cooking or whatever, picking a task and then working on it for typically 25 minutes. And the traditional Pomodoro technique is that you work for 25 minutes and you take five minutes off. You work for 25 minutes, you take five minutes off and you do that four times. And then you take a longer break after those four segments were done. Now I tried it based on the way that my brain works. I found it too stressful for when the timer was going to go off. And I also know that the way that my brain works actually with the whole ADHD or whatever combination, I find it a lot easier to get into a flow state than your average person, mm-hmm. although yeah. I've never been an average person. So who, who the hell am I to say that? But, uh, but I, I, w- I will say that I, this is proven in studies and so on and so forth that, you know, people with ADHD are have a propensity to sort of go into that tunnel where like three hours can pass on a task, which is good sometimes for, for working. If you really want to get somewhere with something can be bad if you don't take some breaks or whatever, but I'm currently in a place where I'm just like, I kind of roll with that when I have that, you know, it's really only, I find it's only problematic if you are, I don't know, you have like, you're addicted to a game or something and 12 hours passes and you don't eat like that can be problematic, but for work purposes, it works for me. Anyways, I I'm curious if some people might benefit from this sort of Pomodoro technique where there's just like you said, like set a timer for five, 10, 15, 25 minutes or whatever, and just say, I'm going to clean for this amount and that will be enough. You know, it's, uh, it's an interesting idea. I mean, different things work for different people. It's that start small. And there's also that book, um, by James Clear, Atomic Habits, Mm -hmm. where I love talking about, yeah. So I think we've mentioned it before too, Mm -hmm. but when he was trying to help train people to go to the gym or whatever, I think the first step for a lot of people who weren't used to it was to get in their car with their gym stuff and then drive around the block or whatever, or like even put on their gym shoes, walk out the door and come back in. Like it was about habit formation more than anything. Yeah. So I wonder if there's some truth to like the decluttering aspect. Maybe there is some, some like habit formation that probably both of us could benefit from. Like, you know, and there's also the idea in that book of like stacking habits. So like maybe it would be easier for me if, every night uh, or like every afternoon if I do some stretches or whatever, like maybe I stack the habit of cleaning for five minutes before that. But I know that would also be dangerous for me because then all of a sudden I'd end up with three hours of things to do in the middle of the day. But I, (laughs) you know, anyways, these are just all ideas I'm throwing out there. Yeah, no, I think uh, the stacking is something that is definitely proven to be useful and something that I've uh, had a little bit of success around. I'm someone who really struggles with habits and doing anything with any consistency. And I think that book is, I've read a lot of productivity and self-help books. And that's like one of like, I would say the five that I'm like, oh, I actually got something from that. So like, you know, um, it's mostly just like a, sort of like a fantasy of a different person that I am when I'm reading one of those books, usually. Um, it's like, wow. Like I read like the book, The Miracle Morning, as if I was going to ever fucking wake up before 8 a.m. when I didn't have a flight. 
You know, like, come on, Allison. Like, who did you think you were going to be when you finished reading that book? You know, but it's like, I really enjoy sometimes being like, oh, this person's diagnosis is going to fix me, even though it cuts across like the core of my essence. It's such a fine line for me because some of those books, I really liked Atomic Habits. There was none of that, like, it looked like a very didactic approach to what can work. And it and it didn't have that like pseudo spirituality. It was like, and that's why like we're all gonna become one and like we're, you know, and and we're all gonna we're all gonna realize ourselves, you know, all this kind of stuff and like all this like arbitrary and like obtuse language that you're like, oh fuck off, you know? Yeah. Um and I've read some of those books where I read the introduction and I'm like, you make me sick. Like yeah. um and that's okay too. The self-help that whole genre i think is like there's some that i'm like i feel like this person genuinely found some things that have worked for them and have some useful things to say and then the other half are like narcissists that want to charge a lot to invite people in their confidence room and then have people like sort of fanatically fainting when they walk into the room and so i i do my best to separate those but it's it's really hit or miss for me like Either I read a book like Cal Newport's Deep Work or James Clear's Atomic Habits, where I'm like, oh, this is a, this is great. Yeah, those or are I read my, a book. Two of my favorites, actually. And then you, or I read a book on the opposite side of that, where I'm like, honestly, like I would pay for you to remove the memory of me reading that. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it though that like it seems like every single like self help person has had a near death experience, like? Well, like, don't you think that's just like like human? Hasn't everybody had a near death experience at a certain point? Like if you've lived okay, for specifically a car accident. I I uh, I haven't read enough uh, bios apparently to know that, but oh, it's like it's always like the first chapter. It's the realization. You know, yeah, exactly. I think that's really what it is. It's like to set up sort of like an inflection point. You know, like yeah, my life yeah, was like yeah. this until this. But it just seems like it, it's, it gives me a weird sense of deja vu. Every time I'm reading a self-help book, I'm like, did everyone in the world get into a car accident that like changed their <laughs> lives? Like, is so, that some sort of bar to entry here? So I don't want to take it too far off the rails with yeah, the sorry. like entrepreneurial <laughs> stuff or whatever. But I, I did want to mention, I, I've just read Guy Raz's book, How I Built This, which is based on the podcast, How I Built This, which is one I really love. And he was talking about how like when he's interviewing people, if they're not willing to talk about that inflection point, whatever it is, like that down, he won't interview them because everybody has one and it, it should be a part of that story. So I think it's probably just that human element of like, like think about like this podcast, for example, I'm anxious about like from a marketing perspective, if we were to go to the world and be like, this is what we are, you know, if we were on Oprah or whatever, we probably reference the fact that the two of us were at a low point during the yeah, pandemic. True. You know, like there's something to cling on to with that. And I also wanted to mention in terms of this podcast from like a, I don't know, like a meta perspective or like an outside perspective, like probably our feeling towards these self-help books, probably the reason we have this podcast in the way it is and the way it's like sort of informal and communicative and not like these are our ironclad takeaways is is probably, you know, related to how we feel about those books Yeah, in some way. Yeah, we're not... Those books don't usually work on us, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> like, we don't we want can, to be in the conference room yeah. at the front of the conference room. No, we can like cherry pick a couple useful things from everything, like... You know, everyone-ish who writes a book has a couple things that you can learn from them, you know? Right. But um, very rare is it like I can actually start to restructure my life from what you've said, you know? Um, yeah, and, and we're not going to – I know you're about to say something, so I, apologies if I just cut you no, off no, there. But I, I just was, wanted to – I was trying to like slowly veer us back on track. 
But like, okay, I can veer us. Okay. I can veer us. Uh, well, maybe. But uh, <laughs> I, I was just gonna say, like, if this episode were a seminar, you know, one would hope that people wouldn't walk into our metaphorical conference room and see a sign that was like "mass causes stress." You know what I mean? Like, uh, we'd hope. You know what I mean? Like, we'd yeah. hope that there's some more depth that to it. Than that. Me stress. Woo. <laughs> yeah, Did I'm I, an eight now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Actually, so speaking of some of the takeaways that we have, like we, we try to read a lot and apparently self-improvements on our radar. Um, I know that you had a few quotes picked out prior to us recording that seemed hyper pertinent. Did you want to go for those or do you want to just totally push aside my suggestion and go in a different direction? No, I'll go. So Chris and I actually like both honed in on the same article, uh, Men's Health article. It was quite interesting, really going into sort of like the neuroscience of what clutter does to your brain. So I'll just read a couple quotes I pulled from it. Um, Research shows that disorganization and clutter have a cumulative effect on our brains. Our brains like order and constant visual reminders of disorganization drain our cognitive resources, reducing our ability to focus. The visual distraction of clutter increases cognitive overload and can reduce our working memory. And then they cited a couple, you know, things that were focus studies on the topic. And they found that they did a study of mothers uh, whose home environment were cluttered and found that the stress hormone cortisol was pretty much tied directly to how cluttered their home was. And they also found uh, that background clutter reduced um, participants' ability to correctly interpret the emotional expressions on the faces of characters in a movie. So it led to people, you know, having both a physiological response in the presence of the stress hormone cortisol, but also it had an impact on reducing ability to handle basic tasks even and like things that you would think wouldn't have a particular impact but the the constant presence of clutter in the background can almost be sort of like a white noise that can overshadow your brain at times i like that last comment you made there about a sort of like a visual white noise that um probably isn't soothing you know in the same way like i i like white noise to go to sleep but the I guess it's just a real something to underline as far as the idea that like the the clutter can can really be a visual distraction that has real implications, and you know I'm not sure I, I know how to best clear it up and make sure that it isn't around, but I I think at the very least we can all sort of walk away this episode respecting the power of clutter. You know, like it, it is scientifically proven. I thought that article was great, by the way, as well, and we can. We'll um, link that in in our notes for for the episode. But it's something that I knew, right? Like I think you and I both knew clutter had a powerful effect. But then to see, like, there was no shortage of articles, right? No. That were yeah, that were talking everywhere. about, like, um, you know, obviously some co- some titled "Mess Causes Stress," but a lot of them were like really in depth articles that were talking about that correlation and and that two way street, right? That like uh, our surroundings. In our exterior reflect our interior, but the greater, you know, the more cluttered our exterior, the more cluttered our interior. So there's this 
relationship that we have that we're constantly navigating. And uh, it's actually causing me to look at all aspects of my desk right now and, mm-hmm. and like and like be like, I don't know, this is a bit cluttered. Um, but, you know, I, I, I will try to be more conscious of the fact that uh, clutter is something I need to maybe just prioritize. I need to find a way to like budge that through, you know, have have that task bud in the line in front of some other things which I've deemed more important maybe, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was just remembering another article I read as well. Um, New York Times, and it was showing that there's a big link between clutter and procrastination. And Mm -hmm. people who have anxiety often struggle with procrastination and it creating like yet another vicious cycle of the tasks on your to-do list causing you anxiety, which causes you to procrastinate more. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically, there's a a big correlation. Uh, There was a big link between procrastinating events or tasks and the physical clutter in their home. Yeah. Okay. I mean, all, all of that, I f- feel like, a, you know, I want a bell that's like ding, 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 you know, yeah. like that all really makes sense to me. And yeah, I'm not sure I have too much to add to that other than just to say like clutter for me is one of these topics that probably just through this episode, I'm realizing I, I know all of this stuff on some level, but it's sort of my job now to bring it to the right level, the top level, you know, to, um, escalate it (laughs) more like to just like internalize it like and not really know it, but to like actually act on it and do it. We can do like a lot of cognitive dissonance in order to like avoid doing unpleasant tasks. That's like what our brains are Mm -hmm. really good at. And so like I can sit 100%, you know, comfortable, I guess, in the knowledge that cleaning my house and reducing clutter would reduce my anxiety knowing that I don't like feeling anxious and yet not putting two and two together and actually acting upon handling the clutter, yeah. you know, even though that should be like, well, you know, A equals B, B equals C, therefore A equals C. It just doesn't work like that. You know, you have to really, really believe it with your whole and and do it and like get yourself through the hump of actually starting to do it and then just do it with consistency, even though you don't yeah. like it. And this is where... This might be more for the like tip segment, but I'm, I think we can probably head in that direction unless you have more to to go back on. But uh, anyways, I'll just say that this is why I trick myself. I leave my favorite podcasts for tasks that I really don't want to do. So like if I know that dishes are, you know, have really piled up and Bree's cooking dinner and I know that, you know, obviously it's the right thing for me to do to make sure that I'm tidying up afterwards and if I'm going to tidy up the place from dinner and stuff, I may as well just tidy everything else. I'll save a podcast that I really want to listen to and I'll just listen to that for half an hour, you know, and then it kind of feels like a treat for myself and I can get sort of caught in the podcast and it takes away some of the sting from having to do the task I don't want to do. Nice. That, that's very smart. That makes yeah, a lot of sense. I'm fine with tricking um, myself. You know, I, I... That's the key. Isn't it? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, just doing intense acts of mental gymnastics. That's the that's the trick. That's the that's the ticket. Uh, so, did you have anything else before we moved into tips and stuff like that? I just wanted to re-emphasize, I guess, just like the kind of the constant, like you know, your brain is just 
it sees all these things and it like absorbs every single thing. And it can be really, really taxing on your mind to constantly like be scanning. And like, even without thinking about it, when you see something that's in a place that's not where it's supposed to be, it's pulling just like a, you know, a few like pixels of that mental, you know, energy and awareness, it just being like, oh, shit, that's not supposed to be there. Oh, that's not supposed to be there, you know, and it it is sort of like this low grade fever of oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, that's kind of in the background of your mind. And um, I'm learning more and more that I need to do something about it, because it's becoming one of those things I finally hit that sort of like, inflection point with my own disorganization, where just like, I got like a bunch of reminders to do something at like 9pm. And then I like frustratedly like worked on it like quickly to get things in and was like, Oh, shit. And I'm like, Okay, I need to start like, taking better care of my, you know, of my tasks and my to do list, because I'm like letting people down. Um, And I'm starting to kind of hit that with, uh, with my clutter as well, like, oh, things are reaching a point where they're completely untenable. It's, um, I was just gonna say that I've been creating a strange visual the entire time you've been talking um, in my head, which I'll elaborate on now so it's not creepy (laughs) i was when you were talking about these sort of like these little things which they eventually lead to this sort of more cumulative problem i was just picturing a harp for some reason and how like perhaps if perhaps (laughs) if like one chord was out you know broken or whatever or just not quite right you wouldn't notice and maybe two three maybe a couple you wouldn't notice but all of a sudden all the chords on the harp are broken and you're like Jesus, you know, like, and again, I don't know if that metaphor even holds, but in my head, it's like, I just, I don't know why your brain went to harp, but I love okay. it. It's great. All right. Well, that's, that's, I don't know either, which is why I think, like, do you see a lot of harpists? Like, is this, do you listen to a lot of harps? Not, like, where? Not particularly. Uh, I've stopped. I guess you were just looking for like the instrument with the most strings possible. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's what it is. I mean, I, I'll tell you this. A number of years ago, I just stopped trying to find the root of where things were coming from. They're just coming at me. And so it it was more like a situation where like, I'm just playing catcher here. And my job is just to catch the ball and not wonder where it was thrown from. Uh (laughs) Okay. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's that's the best. That's the best I've got. Um, yep, just grab those ideas and just throw them, and just be like, I don't know where that came yeah, from. Yeah, but I'll nope. t- but I'll me. take it. But it's mine now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, do you want to share any other um, techniques or tips that you've used to uh, kind of get a handle on clutter? Um, I think I kind of like weaved them into everything I was talking about before, accidentally. Mm-hmm. But uh, just really approaching it with baby steps, um, it never works with anxiety to put the whole problem on the table and try to tackle it. It's got to be, it's got to be split into segments. So you know, if you're gonna, if you know you need to clean your house, just focus on one room at a time, and that that's sort of a metaphor for everything we need to do with anxiety in some way. And then again, like other things we've talked about um, in the past, perhaps even as early as, or recently as last episode, try to put that negative and turn it into a positive. So if you realize you have far too many clothes, then you can do what we've talked about before, which is just donate some of those clothes and turn that negative, the fact that you have so many clothes lying around to a positive, which is donating some of those clothes. You know, But as we talked about before, just don't choose the 
clothes with sweat stains all over them. Like maybe just choose the, the decent ones. And I guess the final tip would just be to coming around to respecting the fact that um, addressing clutter is is something that can pay dividends, right? It's not like a it's not like an outlying issue where it doesn't affect you at all. It can have some effect. So moving towards respecting it, myself included, more is going to be helpful. So those are just the things that I'm thinking about, which is, is more reiterating what I said before as opposed to any specific tips. But yeah, that's where I'm going with it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, I'll just reiterate from the previous episode, um, my plug for The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. I actually really enjoyed that book. And I mean, what a it would be a really great lockdown project if you're just bored out of your fucking skull. Like, because the first step is to just like literally take everything out of your closet and just dump it in one central place and to find every piece of clothing in your house and just dump it all in one place. And then you have to deal with it. And so like it kind of we've talked before about sort of like these artificial time constraints and artificial um, deadlines and stuff. I think when everything is just in a pile for you to deal with, you kind of actually have to deal with it. But it was really helpful for me in reducing my clutter that I had accumulated after living in New York for nine years. My problem is now like, you know, I've just started to settle into a new place and I have a lot of stuff that I've kept from like my travels that were like little stop gaps, you know, like suddenly I don't have a sweater. Oh, okay. I need to get mm. something that's warm, yep. you know, but, oh, this is, this is a really shitty cheap jacket, but it, it fits this exact moment that I need it for, you know? So like, I have a lot of things in my, in my house that like that filled a important gap at that moment, but maybe doesn't need like a permanent place in my house. You know what I mean? And so I kind of need to do, maybe I'll do another round of it uh, because it's gotten a bit unruly in this house. <laughs> I like, I like uh, the word unruly. Say, oh yeah. Yeah. No rules. <laughs> they are unruled. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, things are a little wild and it's almost entirely me. So I need to figure some stuff out. Well, I'm pretty confident this episode's going to be the jumpstart you need. Uh, I'm not, but thank you. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to be positive. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't work. Now I'm like, now I can't do it because Chris told me it was gonna work. But you're on. No, you're kidding. on editing this week, so you're gonna have to edit this segment and, and confront uh, it. Uh, I'll just delete the whole thing, and then I will release a 12 minute episode. And you're like, Allison, what? <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, I think that's, uh, I, I think we got some places with this episode. I'm, I'm pretty happy to say I didn't know how long this episode would be, but we, we seem to have a pretty good propensity for ensuring it's going to be over that hour mark, whether we think we have a lot to say or not. But I would like to say that I think this episode was, you know, not really that packed with filler. It seemed to be a lot going on here. So hopefully other. There was a long tirade about self-help people though. Yeah, but. I mean, that was totally. I was going to say, yeah, like we've had some tirades before that have been just totally unrelated. Like I think in our subway episode, we talked about costumes. I I can't remember exactly what it was, but like (laughs) we've had some episodes that have been like six to seven minutes of something deeply unrelated, (laughs) violently unrelated. Yeah, this was this was like within the tangentially. Exactly. There we go. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, great. Um, do we want to go to the 
I was going to say the back padding segment, but that sounds strange. The <laughs> segment where we talk about something we're patting our patting ourselves on the back for. Back padding segment, I think, actually was fine. It was fine. Okay, yeah, it so was fine. We want to go. I to think the... you're. I think you're just a little bit uh, triggered after embrace the suck. Yeah, thinking of that too hard. <laughs> you're like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. Well, to be fair, if you were like, we're really known for embracing the suck in our back padding segment, like people would be like, okay, and yeah, you like, are mm-hmm. an anxiety podcast or a confused commune, like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Um, Yeah, okay. I am thoroughly (laughs) unprepared for this weekly segment. (laughs) You want me to take it? Yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. So (laughs) I don't have a long answer here, so you better be quick with your... I'm looking. I'm trying. I'm looking. I'm literally looking at my, like, to-do list and what's crossed off, and I'm like, oh, oh my God, what are these? What are these? Look at the clutter. It shall shall give answers for you. (laughs) (laughs) So in the meantime, I'll buy you some time here. Uh, I'm really not patting myself on the back for anything tremendous other than the fact that there is some, you know, a voice that's just like, I don't want to say like, it's like give up, you know, but there's that, that, there's that voice in the back of my head. That's just like another day. That's not notable in any way. You know, here we go. Rev the engine, bud, you know, and, and, um, and then there's sort of that, that ending voice that's just like, but who cares? Um, and I think I've been actually pretty decent at counteracting that voice and being like, you know what, I'm just going to do my best today and day after day after day throughout this whole pandemic and again and again and again. And now with the second wave, I've found a way somehow, some way to keep coming to bat. And so I'll pat myself on the back for that. It's not always pretty, not always my best effort, but I'm getting up every day and I'm getting to work. I'm trying uh, the best that I can with the tools that I have. And I feel like maybe this this week in particular, that is enough. The effort is enough. And uh, so I'm patting myself on the back for that. Nice. Well, you sufficiently bought me enough time. Um, So I'm just going to reiterate that I'm proud of myself for finally deciding to do something about my disorganization and I went through like all my inboxes I found like a system that I think is really going to work for me in terms of keeping up with new things that arise and like I created like a whole system and like a sauna to try to keep track of things and um not let things slip through the cracks and normally it's like I do these things for like a little bit and then I don't internalize it but uh this time it feels different because I think I like fully identified what I need to do in order to keep on top of things and like have sort of like a set of rules that I have to follow and it just seems like, oh, this is actually going to work for me. So yeah, I'm just happy that I'm starting to figure out a system for my mental organization because it was a disaster before it was terrifying. It was truly just like a garbage dump, just a dump, just like, and then just like, oh, I need to find, you know, my pencil in this entire garbage dump. Let's just (laughs) sort through this dump to find a pencil to start this one thing. And now it feels like things are just like becoming a little little clearer what I need to do and how I need to do it. Nice. I think our last two episodes have been guided by your, like whatever has been going on in your life as of late. Like the last episode, 
so it was wasting money. And I think mm-hmm. that was probably brought on by like you dealing with taxes and that kind of stuff. And then this episode yeah. is clutter and it's probably in some way related to the fact that you're dealing with all your mental clutter. So this is yeah. the joy that we can have when we're a podcast that comes up with topics 24 hours before recording. Exactly. Spontaneity. Yeah. We have it. Except for the <laughs> fact that I think every episode, now that I think about it, probably wasn't spontaneous. It was linked to one or the other of us dealing with something in that moment and wanting to talk about it for an hour. But yeah. Um, yeah. that's for Just basically where th- you guys are our unpaid therapists. Enjoy. Yeah, we hope you enjoy. I mean, <laughs> for what it's worth, we've been growing a lot. I mean, our our stats suggest that people are enjoying it. Well, thank you guys for tuning in this week. We hope that you're doing okay with the shitstorm of circumstances that is just brewing about us with, you know, holiday season, daylight savings fuckery, and <laughs> wave two. So we hope you're all keeping your head above water. And if you're struggling, it's okay. Um, just focus on, you know, doing every bit that you can and be proud of yourself too. We encourage you to also pat yourself on the back. So yeah, for sure. And, you know, showy and performative ways like we do. (laughs) Exactly. That actually reminds me if anybody's listener is also part of our Facebook group, we're anxious about, you can feel free to uh, post a picture or whatever. Like if, for example, this episode somehow inspired you to get up and be like, I'm going to clean everything. And you want to show a picture of that, uh, epic effort feel free to share whatever um or we, share your shame pile yeah it's all or, right. or the shame we're, pile. we're casual yeah we're casual yeah. we could have a competition who has the biggest shame pile of laundry <laughs> that's true i feel like uh i feel like either or we, we, however anybody chooses to take that that's going to be uh good fun to to monitor i'll probably use the li- like the love emoji regardless or i don't even know if that's an emoji or whatever but anyways the icon are one that's like that makes you feel like less less awkward about like when someone posts an upset status and you're like oh i don't know if i can like or love this now they <laughs> but i do like care it. but i do yeah. care yeah <laughs> yeah i can promise at least to care <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) All right, everyone. We wish you a great week. If you are celebrating Thanksgiving this week, we hope that you stay healthy and happy and or at least just just fine. You know, happy is maybe a high bar for 2020. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we wish you well. And thanks for listening. Okay, take care, everyone. Bye.